From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you into Teal the Podcast, once again coming to you from the head football coach's office, mm. the head ball coach at Episcopal. Mark Brunel, Cole Pepper here with you, and... Um, just drawing plays here, Coach. Drawing up some ball plays? Just drawing up some ball plays. Said, Coming up with some new ideas. If I give some everybody sort of a, a verbal tour yes, of please. your expansive office here. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, you have... Footballs. Foot, bag full of footballs on yeah, the floor. Which is important when that, you have a football team. You it need is footballs. Important. You've got some Episcopal helmets up here on the other side of the, of the room. Coach Pepper, those are the helmets through the years. Mm-hmm. The different uh, styles, decals, color yeah. combinations that we've had. Little trip years. down memory lane uh-huh. there yeah. in that long six years that I've been here so far. You also have people would be interested to know um, pictures behind there. Yep. Uh, you and Jimmy Smith shoulder to shoulder taking shot from behind. One so, of my favorite pictures. Yep. Yeah. Another uh, both, one of my favorite. Both pictures. the ball caps on, and then over there, there's so you and some big galoot. Uh, who is that? Uh, Tony Bo, uh, it's an Italian name. Yeah. I don't think the guy's Italian, but Borsalini? he's got an Italian name. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. If you and Baselli over there, uh, and obviously you just said something to Tony that uh, has tickled him because he's got a, a big grin on his face. Yeah, I told, I just told him, hey, we're up by four touchdowns. You don't have to go anymore. So he got excited. <laughs> actually, I keep those in here, Cole, to remind the, the guys that I actually did play with the Jaguars. Yes, yes. that's important. They, they forget these days. Well, it has you know? been... Uh, Decades. Compared to, to their lives, it's been a while. <laughs> and then you have pictures of, of a couple of... These are two of my coaches that played at Episcopal. Yeah. Marcus Wells, defensive coordinator. That's his seventh grade football picture, and that's Charlie Hunt Jr. Tremendous. That uh, also is probably his seventh grade football picture at the Episcopal School of Jacksonville. I, what I notice about these is that in both of those photos, uh, your helmets are now gold. Yeah, they had their helmets were either a red or burgundy color uh, back in the day. Yeah, they. Uh, I don't. I like the gold. It's yeah. been gold around here for a long time. Uh-huh. Maybe we change it up. Turn back the clock day. What do you think? I don't know. What do they call uh, throwbacks? Throwbacks. We could go throwbacks. Like just one. Like pick one game. I'll go into the AD. I'll talk to yeah. see if he'll go get a sixty brand new helmets. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll we'll color them cardinal or. <laughs> And uh, or maroon or whatever our color is, and we'll just have a throwback day. Yeah, why and not? The other thing I notice is that the the colors, the, both the, the the maroon and the gold, are different tones in those two photos, which were probably what those photos are. A long ten years apart, maybe oh, something like at that. At least fifteen, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, so the evolution of uh, of things, but the <laughs> the thing what I, that I really wanted to to strike on was right over here to my right. One of my favorite things in a coach's office, the yes. whiteboard. Yes. And you have a number of, uh, a few plays and formations written up there. Yep. So just a brief overview of our offense. Uh, we have what we call our automatics, one-word play calls. Mm-hmm. And those are either Patriot League or, or Ivy League schools. Brown, Georgetown, Lehigh, Cornell, Princeton, Harvard, Yale, and Fordham. Why did you pick those schools Something that hit close to home. Uh, Joseph, my son, is playing at Georgetown. Yeah. And uh, so Georgetown starts with a G, obviously. Those uh-huh. are all go routes. Uh-huh. 
Um, the, by the way, anybody who's scouting Episcopal to play yes, the upcoming we, season. When we yelled Georgetown, we're go. throwing all go routes. <laughs> Try to stop it. Princeton, uh, it's got a P and an R and an O in it. Those are That's our RPO package. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harvard starts with an H. It's all hitches. So it's just it's all about the the phonetic connection. That's here. exactly yeah. that's exactly. Right. And then we you know our our past concepts are cities and states: mm-hmm. Dakota, Carolina, Chicago, Honolulu. And then our quick game is starts with an S: Seahawks, Stick, Strike, Saints. You know important stuff. You, it, these are these are ways to remember what the plays that's are. That's exactly more right. So when a kid hears Carolina, mm-hmm. he knows that uh, it's a curl flat combination mm-hmm. uh, the c and the curl. l in carolina mm-hmm. curl flat uh-huh. um honolulu is a high low concept mm-hmm. um a wrap dig with a, an underneath route uh, either a hitch or a quick out high low honolulu so there that's our offense in a nutshell all right let, and <laughs> l- let me impose on you for a moment to do your best john gruden here okay when you're calling in a play let, let's just say you know your, your third and eight at, uh, at at your own thirty-five yard line, happens fourth often. quarter. Yes, happens yeah. often. A lot of third and longs <laughs> happens often. Yes. What, what are you? What are you? What are you calling in? What's what's being called in the huddle for? Uh, uh, it depends on the situation, of course, and it also depends on what we do well. Um, you know, if we're struggling in the passing game, I need completion. Uh, our go our go to is is uh, just it's a quick pass, a slant, or a quick out. Listen, it might be completed for five or six yards, it, but it's up to the player to get the extra two or three for the first down. So give me the call of, of how the whole verbiage would sound at Episcopal. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a play. So we'll double, we'll go double right, Charlie. Double right, Charlie, Carolina, Chicago. Double is our formation. Charlie is our uh, protection scheme. It's a man protection scheme for the offensive line. And then Carolina, Chicago, uh, uh, Simply put, it's Carolina on the strong side. It's Chicago on the weak side. Chicago being a smash concept. A corner and a hitch on the outside. It's up to the quarterback to determine the coverage. Go to the appropriate side. That's just an example. Double right, Charlie. Carolina, Chicago. That's simple. John Gruden would be proud. Uh, well, it's, it's it's a lot less complex than what John <laughs> yeah, Gruden said. Yeah, that right. You know what we, we try to do? We try to limit the words. Yeah. Because we signal in. So the fewer the words, the fewer the signals, the mm-hmm. quicker it is for the quarterback to get it, call it, get to the line. So we try to simplify it as much as we can. I will say this too. It is like speaking a foreign language in some regards where you have to make the connection in your brain to these words that you might use on a, on a daily basis and you're, you're sort of translating. For high school, I don't care if it's high school, college, pro, as a quarterback, until you really learn that language, it's got to be tough when you're getting, if you're coming into a new system or you've got a new coach, and all of a sudden you're taking this verbiage and you're thinking, all right, they're signaling this in. Now you know you got to go into the huddle and tell everybody else what's going on. Right. That's a little, that's a bit of a skill. It is a skill, and it takes time. You know, we have our we have rising ninth graders in spring ball right now, and so we're teaching our quarterbacks and the young players, their current eighth graders, the offense, and they are just they're just overwhelmed. Well, the goal is through spring is by the time we get them in the, in the fall when we call a play, they have an idea of of what's going on, and it does take time. Uh, but it's it's you know time on task. The more you do it, the All more the you reps. run the plays, yep. the more reps you get, the more comfortable they get. I want to get the guys to the point where they're not thinking as much. They got the play now; they can just go play, and that's true at every level of football. You know, if if you could just uh, first understand the terminology, and once you get the play, you're not thinking. You're you're just going to play football. Now, when you have a bunch of words and there's uh, 
just too much, you can overwhelm with a kid with just too much, then they're thinking, 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 they're not reacting, they're not playing, they're not comfortable, they're just kind of on their heels a little bit. So we try to keep it simple. More important than that is that we try to identify what the kids do well. Mm -hmm. You know, if I've got a kid that just simply can't throw a 15 yard in, and we're not gonna call Dakota, because we can't get it to him. Yeah. You know, if I, got a, if I got a kid that has a tough time throwing the corner routes, well then we're not gonna call Chicago when there's a corner. So um, you gotta just find out what their strengths are, what they do well, because if I call a play that a kid doesn't know or can't execute, it's a waste of time. And uh, um, so you coach them, you try to get them to the place where they are comfortable throwing these seam routes and go routes. And, and, uh, uh, and that's really what spring practice and all the practices leading up to your first game are about. Interesting you're talking about spring football. We've been talking to a lot of coaches around the area on Channel 4 about, uh, about spring. And they've all fallen into sort of three categories of their approach. It's either A, figure out who's serious about this and who stayed in shape. <laughs> figure out, see what we got. Two, it's teach fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Or three, and these are for a little more advanced teams or teams that have a lot of returners, it's uh, figure out who has taken that next step, you know, yes. who's done that. So you're going through spring practice right now. Yep. Which one of those three is most important for you right now? Yes, uh -huh. all, <laughs> all of them. Yeah. We, uh, we'll have a, a, a personnel meeting after every practice. Coaches get together. Who's gotten better? Um, who is uh, who thinks this is pretty important? Who wants to develop? Who is in shape? So we talk about, I mean, really, we talk about the kids all the time. Who kind of has one foot in, one foot out, and it's just barely hanging on? We've got a few of those kids, mm -hmm. too. Um, but, uh, you know, in spring ball, our biggest thing is let's get the kids out here. We don't really push them really hard, Cole, in the spring. We don't run them. We don't condition them. We have a lot of kids that are just trying out football here at Episcopal. So our goal in the three and a half weeks of spring practice is let's do everything we can to build team, show them that being on a football team is pretty cool. Uh, we use the word brotherhood. We use the word family. Hey, you're a part of something we think is pretty special. So we try to create an environment where in the fall, when it's a million degrees out there and there's more hitting, uh, we want them to come back and take the next step with us because... Um, at Episcopal, and I'm sure it's like this at a lot of other schools, you know, you, you might have five or six kids that were on your roster last year. Well, they don't want to play football anymore, mm -hmm. and that's what we're trying to keep from happening. We want to keep the kids around and, and uh, try to make the best experience possible for all of them. So when we get to fall, we've got 45 to 50 kids, and numbers are important for us because we have, um, we've obviously got 11 games, a kickoff classic, and 10 regular season games, uh, but we, we've scheduled eight JV games. Mm -hmm. You, you can't have a JV game unless you got JV players. And so having the numbers, uh, you know, I like going into JV games sometimes with 20 to 23 players. Uh, last year we went into games with 16 players. That's mm -hmm. hard to do a game when you got 16 players. Yeah. But anyway, that's Episcopal football, and, and uh, but it's going really well. I'm pleased with the spring. All right, let's talk about the Jaguars. Yes. Their off-season workouts uh, are underway. They've gone through the first couple of weeks, and they'll pick it back up. Uh, OTA is still to come, rookie minicamp. This weekend, um, there are three key defensive stars who are not working out with the team: Jalen Ramsey, Telvin Smith, and Unique Ngakwe, who showed up for the first few days and then said, "I'm going to work out on my own." Um, my the first two things I want to get out of the way here: yes, we know they are voluntary. Yes. Secondly, 
if you could pick three guys who probably don't have to work out with the team in order to be in great shape, these might be the three guys. Telvin won the offseason workout warrior award a couple of years ago, or a year ago, whenever it was, two years right. ago. Uh, Jalen is always in great shape. We know he's working out with his dad, who's a trainer up in Tennessee. And Ngakwe has an unbelievable work ethic. So I don't, I don't have any concern that these guys aren't going to be in shape. But let, I want to unpack each of these three situations and get your take on whether the guys should be here and whether, a t- whether their teammates would care if they're there or not. If you were in the same situation, which you have been, um, coming to voluntary workouts, uh, I put voluntary in quotes in the Tom Coughlin language. <laughs> voluntary was never voluntary. <laughs> Are you kidding? Never voluntary. So let's start with Jalen, uh, who's done this before. Um, what do you make of Jalen not working out with the team? You know, I agree with you completely. Will Jalen be ready? Yes. Uh, I don't like him not being there at all. Uh, I don't like any of them not being there at all. There are dif- different reasons. Jalen, of course, he'll be in shape. Of course, he's one of the best. But in my opinion, Cole, I think Jalen, I don't think Jalen had the year that I think a lot of people expected him to have. I don't think he was as good last year as he was the year before. I think he dropped off a little bit. Now, still real good, still one of the best in the business. And, uh, and so you ask yourself, why is that? Did that have anything to do with him working out on his own last spring? Maybe it did. Um, so if you're coming off a year, and this would be the case for Telvin too, where perhaps your defense wasn't as good as the year before, uh, you didn't play as well as you did the year before, wouldn't it behoove you to, to be around, uh, if nothing else, just to be a part of the team? Um, I have heard uh, that uh, Telvin is a good leader. I have heard that Jalen is a good leader. I have heard uh, the other side of it too, that they're, they're really not great leaders, that they're really more about themselves. I don't know, I'm not there, I can't speak to it. But I do know they're two, they're, they're, you know, those guys, all three of those guys are a very important part of the defense. So that being said, if leadership is, is, is important, um, then you need to be there. This is still a team sport. And if you ask, if you ask the, the, the other defensive guys the question, do you really think Jalen should be here? Well, because they're friends and because they're teammates, probably most of them will say, no, Jalen doesn't need to be here. That's the answer they're going to give us. But I think every guy, if he doesn't, he should want all three guys to be there. They're trying to build something special. You can't be have a great off-season program and be and go into the season having one of the best defenses in the NFL. You can't do that if they're not all there. I just don't believe there's that chemistry, that camaraderie, working together, building a defense, the leadership, the accountability, all of that stuff that is so important to football. If those guys aren't there, you can't develop that. So I don't like the fact that Jalen's there. I don't like the fact that's not, that he's not there. I don't like the fact that Telvin's not there and unique. These guys should be there. We have not heard from any of the three publicly. Uh, Doug Marone, we know, has had a conversation with Jalen Ramsey. He had the wrong phone number for him for a bit. Got the right one. <laughs> number two, um, obviously he had a conversation with Unique because he came in for the first couple of days. We're not sure. That money not, thing? Well, and so that's the, that's the common storyline right now, that, he, that he's making a point about his contract. 
Yannick Ngakwe is on his rookie deal, the last year of his rookie deal. He'll make a little bit over $2 million this year. First time he's made seven figures. Mm-hmm. He's had eight sacks or more each of his three years in the National Football League. Young, productive pass rushers will get paid in yes. this league. Now, this is not a guard who may or may not get paid or a strong side linebacker who may or may not get This is a pass rusher. He's going to get paid. I will also say the clamor from fans, pay the man on Twitter. <laughs> it's going to happen or it's not, but there's no immediacy to paying him right now in May. Right. The Jaguars are going to wait as long as they can to be able to sign him to an extension, uh, not only because things change, injuries or whatever else uh, can change the way your roster is structured, but also the Jaguars are going to have to make a decision on allocation over the next couple of years for guys like Yannick and Jalen Ramsey, yep. and at some point... Uh, they may be looking at another deal for somebody like Miles Jack or who, you know, trying to keep this defense together is going to be an expensive proposition. Right. Um, at some point, Calais Campbell is going to come off the books because of age, but so far, it isn't happening yet. Uh, so we'll see how it all plays out. I, I tend to think it's not about making a point that I want to get paid. The Jaguars know he wants to get paid. Sure. I mean, it's that's common knowledge. I think it's more about protect feel like he's going to protect himself by being in a more controlled environment in the way he works. This is my guess. I don't know this. Being in a more controlled environment while he works out so he doesn't get injured going into a season where um, it's a, business it's a contract. It's a business it's decision. It's a business decision. Is it a re- it, it, So we talked about Jalen and about how he works out on his own and the opportunity there to, to be a leader or not. With Yannick Ngakwe... Are teammates more likely to say, "Yeah, we get it," because of his contract situation? Yeah, I, you know, there's the business side that I think every player understands. Um, but if you're talking, if you're if you're talking a business decision, don't think for a second that you not being there has everything to do with the Jaguars' plans going forward. Unique Ngakwe, he wants to get paid. Um, but let's look at it through Tom Coughlin's eyes. Yeah, we know you want to get paid, um, but you haven't shown a commitment. And I'm just saying this is this is probably and all likely what Tom is, is thinking. Maybe maybe Dave too. You haven't shown a commitment to this organization by not being here. This is about you. This is about your contract. This is about if you're not going to show a commitment to us by being here, you are under contract by being here. Uh, then in all, it's a good chance we're not going to show a commitment to you down the road when we feel, yes, it's time to give you a different contract. That goes a long way. And I'm not saying it's the case with every, uh, you know, guy like Tom Coughlin, general manager, executive vice president of football operations, whatever. But that will play, in, that will play into it. Um, here's the best way to put it. You don't want to piss off Tom and not be the player that he wants you to be. Tom demands, wants you to be there. He has said as much. He should be here. He needs to be here. And uh, so if you want to get on his good side and show that football's important to you, this team's important to you, you're willing to take the risk of going out there and compete with your teammates, the fact that he's not there will play eventually into the fact that uh, when, when it's contract time. That's what I believe. Let me take the other side of the argument here from Unique's perspective. 
again, is a young pass rusher who's going to get paid by somebody. Somebody's going to pay him a big chunk of money. He has uh, shown his commitment to the team by his work ethic, by his improvement over time, working on his craft, becoming a more polished pass rusher, uh, the effort he gives on the field, um, all those things that you want to see out of a player. Uh, he, he hasn't had any off-the-field issues and so on. And because he showed up for the first couple of days, to me that changes it a bit. All right, listen, I'm here, I am part of the team, but I've got to, I've got to do this for my, my own. Is it selfish? Well, sure. If, if it's about you getting paid, it's selfish. I don't think unreasonably selfish, but it is, it's a self-centered move. I have less of an issue with Yannick, maybe because he showed up for a couple of days, yeah. uh, than I do with the other two. And, and we'll rank these in terms of how troubling each of these three decisions are here in a minute, but I have less of an issue with Yannick because both the contract, the way he has played, the way he's performed, and the fact that he showed up for a couple of days. Right. Well, why doesn't everybody do it then? They all have business decisions. I don't leverage. know. Leverage. Leverage? Leverage. Because if you're, if Calais Campbell did this, not only would it be way against Calais, Calais in terms of the way he which is, but Which is our point. Yes. And not everybody's going to be Calais. And again, I say this, Calais may be is in the conversation for the most professional guy I have ever covered with the Jaguars. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, a real pro, a pro's pro. But not everybody sees the world the same way that Calais does. Not everybody in that locker room sees the world the same way Calais does. Um, You know, if Calais were to, to, to say, I'm working out on my own, you'd say, well, you know what? I mean, he's been a 10, he's been a double digit sack guy for two years here. He's been a you know voice of the defense. He's been you give him a bit of a pass. I feel like I I give Unique a little bit of a pass. Maybe not a, the full Calais pass, but you but you, I give Unique a little bit more of a pass on that front. I also have a different expectation based on position. I have to be honest. And Calais kind of breaks the mold, but cornerbacks and pass rushers, I don't expect them to be the leader like I would a linebacker or a safety you right. know, for some reason. Um, uh, same thing if, if, a, wi- if a wide receiver skips to, uh, the workouts, well, there aren't a lot of wide, you know, Larry Fitzgerald might be one of the only wide receivers who's really a team leader uh, through his years. Maybe it's because they're out on the island. Quarterback, center, you, you know, left tackle. You think about that stuff in terms from a leadership position. Um, and so my expectations color uh, my interpretation of that a little bit. I don't know if that jives let, with what you think. Yeah, let me ask you this question. Um, by Jalen not being there, or Telvin, or Unique, does that hurt our our defense going forward? Do you think? I th- Some more than others, maybe? I, here, I, I, I don't think I would say it hurts the defense specifically. I Here's where I do see something negatively impacting the Jaguars. You're coming off a season where not only were you disappointing in terms of the final record, but the way the locker room transformed so dramatically from 2017 to 2018, we talked about it from about the midway point of the season on, where we saw that the leadership was not as cohesive as it was the year before. Right. 
Some of it we pointed to losing Paul Puzlesny and Mercedes Lewis Agreed. and having a, an impact there. But there, I think you also had not only the departure of those guys, you had some young players whose voices got louder and maybe not in the same direction. They Guys were going... Be, when you're winning, it's very easy to pull in the same direction, right? When you're losing, everybody's got to come up with a reason why. When you're why. losing, it, fall, it falls apart, and you really find out a lot about a team. But specific, more specifically, you find a lot, of, a lot about individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, When you're a linebacker and your defense is playing well and you're making plays, it's easy to be a leader You because know, you're saying positive things. Like, but when things go bad... And you're playing bad. You find out a lot about it, about a person. So, and let me bring that up uh, as it relates to Telvin Smith, because late in the year last year, going into that locker room after a Jaguars loss and hearing Telvin try to put the positive spin on it, you don't know no, we're good. No, everything's fine. No, everything's positive. not fine. I understand not wanting to dwell on negatives as a leader and a guy who has been the emotional engine of that defense. But there's also a realistic standpoint. And I've used this quote before in a lot of different occasions, but there's a book called 1776. Uh, that it's a good book. Great book, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what McCullough, the, the author, writes in there about George Washington is that the thing that separated him as a leader is that he saw the world as it was, not as he wanted it to be. Hmm. So sometimes as a leader, you have to understand the truth of the world, your world, whatever right. that is. Um, and, and Telvin, at the, at, toward the end of the season... Wouldn't you know? Was trying to stay so positive, and you thought, is he just, is he just go, you know, putting his head in the sand here? And it was, it, it felt off from a leader of a defense to give some of the post game quotes that he did. Yeah. And I try not to put too much on that, but it is an I think post game comments hold more weight than anything else during the week because it's it's more raw. It's fresh. It's fresh. It's yep. it, it's just happened. So. For me, and I'll let you rank them as well, the least troubling of these three absences to me is Yannick. Then Jalen, and then Telvin would be the most troubling because I don't know what's, what, what the point is. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, and I think a lot of it, too, has to do with the position. What's Yannick's job? Go get the passer. You line up, you go get the passer. Um, and... Um, Jalen, he's already proven himself. Now, I say all this, but, but uh, I'm still very firm in the fact that these guys should be there. Uh, you're talking to a coach. I'm out here in spring ball trying to develop chemistry and camaraderie and talking about brotherhood. Well, you know, we got some dudes that just like really more about themselves. Um, but Telvin is the one that concerns me um, because he is supposed to be this leader, uh, this emotional, outspoken guy Coy didn't play very well last year. He didn't have a good season for whatever reason. He just didn't play well. And, and listen, if if you would think that if you if you just weren't as good as you were the year before, shouldn't you be in the building? Shouldn't you be trying to pick up anything you can from your teammates and your coaches to do everything you can to make sure that 2018 doesn't happen again? Um, I think that goes along the lines of just being a professional. You are under contract. You are paid. Yes, it's voluntary, but we need you here. We need you here. And and uh, we're, yes, we want to develop these young guys, and it gives a young guy an opportunity. But that young guy's not going to be playing. He's not going to be starting in, in Telvin's spot next year. I just that's that's troubling for me. And the fact that I don't think there's been any real correspondence at all 
He's just ghosted the, the team. He's like, you know, doing whatever. And I'm sure he's working out, but that one's troubling to me, Cole. Last thing here. How important is this time for a team from the non-physical standpoint? Bunch of new players, free agents, guys departing, guys showing up, new draft picks. How important is this time of year to build that team camaraderie, to build that uh, brotherhood that you talked about? What, what and, you, and what do you miss if you're not here for that? What you do right now uh, in the spring, in the um, phases, phase one, phase two, has everything to do with your success in the fall. Honestly, more so on the offensive side of the ball, especially with a new quarterback and a new system. Um, you know, there, there's this game is about work ethic, it's about accountability, it's about chemistry and all of that stuff. Going back to 96, we weren't all that talented. We, we just weren't, we lost some games early but it was in March and April and May and some of June that we really built our team. We found out a lot about each other. We worked together. Uh, the X's and O's, all of that offense and defense, timing between a quarterback and a receiver and tight ends and, and offensive line, develop that, developing that uh, cohesion up front, all of that stuff was critical. And a lot of the reason, you know, one of the main reasons we did so well so early is because we were together, Cole. Voluntary, my butt. There was no voluntary. It might have been called that, but you had to be there. And if you weren't, there are consequences. Um, I would be curious if, if, if Todd Walsh didn't survive last year, if they were putting in a new defense, would those guys be here? Because I think part of the equation is the fact that, hey, I know this defense. I got this. Okay, we understand that, but you really do need to be be together, and I think that's a huge part of it. And honestly, I think the players that aren't here will suffer for it uh, in the uh, during the season. And you, your point about defense, right now, looking at it, the only player who figures to play a significant role on this defense who wasn't here last year would be Josh Allen. Right, right. Everybody else, guys, everybody's back. Yeah, you've got Ronnie Harrison's going to play a bigger role. Not sure what's going to happen at the other safety spot, but it's going to be somebody who's been here. Yeah. So it's not an overhaul on the defensive side of the ball. It's going to be interesting to follow that. Let me, we'll, let me just add to that real quick. I know we're pressed for time. But wouldn't it be great for Josh Allen if Unique was here? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Unique hasn't been around forever, but I promise you there's things that Unique could communicate and to Josh that would just benefit him so much. Just how he carries himself, different techniques, and, and just what he does, that would be huge. So you're robbing Josh Allen an opportunity to learn from a, a kid that has done it right. You know, ever since he got into this league, a guy that's done it right. So those are the little things I'm talking about. Um, and it really is about the team. So it's, it, it's frustrating to me. Maybe I'm too old school. Maybe I'm too, this is how Coughlin did it, and it worked. Uh, but you know what? This is how Coughlin did it. And, and it, it worked. worked. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. All right. Thank you uh, for going through that. I, I think we'll be following this story as uh, things develop. And as I said on Sunday night, with regard to Telvin Smith in particular, once the mandatory minicamp rolls around, if he's here, then he'll be back, and things will move forward. If he's not, then we probably have seen the last of Telvin Smith in a Jaguars uniform. Ooh. Then, then you're probably looking at a trade. Something along those lines, because the non-mandatory, the, the mandatory stuff, the non-volunteer, 
on non-voluntary stuff, that's that's there for a reason. Yep. And um, and we'll see how how that all plays out. Remember, you can uh, subscribe to Teal the Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. Mark, if you have a Google Home advice, uh, Google Home uh, device, yes, you can ask Google Home, play Teal the Podcast, and guess what happens? Wow. We show up in your living room, and yes. we're, we're working on Alexa, by the way, but on the Google Home device, you can actually just ask for it, and we'll be there. And if you have it at your house, Alexa or Google Home, they are listening to you, so you know you could just be a conversation. Yeah. You know, somebody's listening to you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Mark actually reviews all of the conversations involving Teal the Podcast. I'm listening to you <laughs> in your home. I have ears on you. You can always find Teal the Podcast under the Sports tab on newsforjacks.com. For Mark Brunell, I'm Cole Pepper. Thanks so much for listening to Teal the Podcast.